the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Four o'clock hour is here. Let's get to the frenzy here in just a second. But we got some update. Uh, we got some updated news on what's going on with this uh, long delay. VGK was supposed to have a trade deadline press conference at two thirty. I don't think it's happened yet, right? What are we? An hour and a half in here. Yeah. There's some kind of hold up with a deal. I guess they wanted to make. We're four hours past the deadline. We are an hour and a half past Kelly McCrinnan's uh, scheduled press conference. David Pagnotta, respected journalist. Um, NHL Network and with the Professional Hockey Writers Association. He just said uh, lots of head scratching over the discussed Dadunov trade. They agreed to a deal. The main question was whether or not or will Dadunov waive his uh, no trade clause. Pagnatis told the Ducks are on the no trade list. Both teams are remaining silent. So now the trade can still occur uh, after the trade deadline, air quotes trade deadline. Any trade can Players traded, however, will not be eligible for the playoffs. So in Anaheim's case, it doesn't appear to be an issue. Vegas would clear up $5 million in cap space. Um, one little side note, Pagnatis told that Dadnoff is with the Knights at the rink getting ready huh. with the Wild game in roughly an hour. All right. So there you go. That's uh, super interesting. But, yeah, the players not being eligible, I guess maybe it doesn't matter because – the uh, Knights just want to free up cap space, but uh, this thing got very, very complicated. <laughs> Big deal today with Matt Ryan, third round pick going from the Falcons to the Colts. The Falcons... have responded by bringing in Marcus Mariota, a two-year deal for $18.5 million. So the Falcons have a, a plan in place, which leads you to believe that the Seahawks also have a plan in place. They're not just stupid and going without a quarterback. You know what I mean? Mariota was available to everybody. Yeah. So now the Falcons are going to try to go, and I, I like this approach, get something for Matt Ryan, Pull the scab off with the salary cap issues. Go and get a bridge quarterback and then see what you can develop in terms of getting a young guy, a guy this year or next year. That's all you can do when you've got a guy like Matt Ryan signed to $35, $40 million a year and your team's really not ready to compete. Do you like the move for Mariota, though? Does yes. It, it, oh, for, for Mariota himself? Yeah. Yeah, he has an absolute opportunity to prove himself I and become so. a full-time quarter, uh, starting quarterback. And I see, I saw so many comments from people about – uh, the Falcons just got a lot worse. Yeah, the, you know what? Matt Ryan is better than Marcus Mariota, but I don't think Mariota is a hopeless situation. I don't know that he's had the best coaching over the years, and I think he deserves a second chance. Matt Ryan has proven to be an efficient quarterback. He put up some big numbers, but, you know, I mean, they made, to, they made it to a Super Bowl. He wasn't the one that gave up the lead to the Patriots in the Super Bowl, but at the same time, uh, who knows what Mariota can bring? I mean, he brings some experience. He br he definitely brings some tenacity and some toughness under center. We've seen what he did when stepping in for Carr here. Brings some experience. I like the move, and 
where he may not be better in certain areas in terms of, you know, the explosiveness and the, and the strong arm and the, and the deep threats with whomever he hooks up with, he's going to bring an element to that team that it may spark something. I'm not I mean, it's a tough division. I mean, as far as Tampa Bay is concerned, Tom Brady's back. The Saints, that just got announced, right? Jameis, they agreed he's coming back. Carolina, eh, I'm not sure. But no reason why Atlanta can't have a decent season. I, I, I like that move. Um, Matt Ryan to the Colts. I, I I don't know yet. I'm just not a Matt. I've never really been a Matt Ryan guy. I've never really bought into him, and 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 what he brings. I it, I think that he needs a lot around him, and I think that that's been proven. So you I realize I, how much different your thinking might be if they had closed out that game against the Patriots. No, if he had won a Super Bowl, yeah, I, I, I doubt I doubt you'd be in here going, yeah, I don't know if he can win the big one. That's true. Probably. It changes his whole narrative. Now everyone's like, yeah, hey, you know, he's kind of always been that. Sometimes he could be as good as like the sixth best quarterback. He's somewhere in the, you know, the nine to 14 range. But has it, but did his, but did, where did, where did his confidence go with that? And maybe the win took that out, or maybe the loss took that out of him. And yes, you're right. But who, who knows if the, narr- what the narrative would have been if he did win? The bottom line is, didn't do anything afterwards. The whole franchise, it seems like they, they've they been snake-bitten from that. Is it, is it because of that loss? Is it because he was the quarterback? What What is it? And that's the question. So we're going to see he goes to a different franchise now. Will you pick the Colts to make the playoffs? Kind of a loaded question yeah, because of the division. Yeah, that's always a – Texans and Jags are going to stink again. And they're not going to – yeah, I don't think that they're going to overtake Tennessee. I don't think that they that he's the answer, and all of a sudden they're going to be better than Tennessee. I'm not convinced of that. Are we surprised Tennessee did nothing at quarterback? Just status quo. Just Tannehill's going to be the guy, even though he showed regression last year. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, um, not really. I'll pick the Colts to win the division right now. Yeah. No bet. We're not going to do a bet. We can't. He so, read my mind. No. All right, I saw Ari signaling for bet. No. No bet. No double or nothing off of what when I beat you with Duke. Um, you know, by the end of the show, let's make a decision on this. All right, we'll, we'll decide. You, if you want to go head-to-head with me on Titans versus Colts for the AFC South, what's what the show is all about is making bets, not really specifying what the bets are, <laughs> and then arguing for three months afterwards, and then no one gets paid. No. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company. Cofield and Company. First of all, Devontae Adams didn't want to play in Green Bay. Green Bay had the chance to do a deal with him for months. Months. Mm -hmm. It's very easy in the end to say we're willing to match the money. And there's been no discussions until the end. So, yeah, I mean, who, I mean, oh, don't, man, <laughs> you can't just say that at the end and say, oh, he should have come back here. Devontae Adams didn't want to be there anymore. Adam Schefter getting all flustered and worked up. Devontae Adams and some of the narrative last week. We'll get back into that. He's a Las Vegas Raider. We've got big news with a former backup Raiders quarterback, Marcus Mariota, going to the Falcons. Matt Ryan traded today to the Colts, Deshaun Watson. The quarterback movement's been incredible. Let's talk about all of it, and especially the Raiders with uh, all-time great Raider. Tim Brown is up with Steve and Willie here in Vegas. Tim, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. How are you guys? We're good. We're fired up. A lot of, a lot of moves are, are happening in the uh, – no the last couple of days. Uh, all right, well, let's get your reaction, first of all, to the big news in Raiders land, and that is 
the acquisition of Devontae Adams. Are you surprised that Adams landed with the Raiders and didn't go back with A-Rodg? Um, I'm shocked. I really am. And um, I know that uh, he has a personal relationship with Derek Carr, but, um, you know, <laughs> playing with Aaron Rodgers is uh, is uh, sort of next level type stuff. But uh, my son actually told me a couple, two or three weeks ago that he had heard that Devontae bought a house in Vegas. And I was like, well, that just doesn't make any sense. Well, maybe maybe that was a true story, and maybe, you know, this is the end result of all that. But, um, but yeah, I'm a little surprised, man. You know, I thought that uh, Aaron signing back in, in, um, in Green Bay was, was certainly, you know, be enough for, for Devontae to sign back and just finish that thing that way. But um, I'm happy, though. I'm happy for my Raiders, man, and uh, definitely happy for, for Derek. And, you know, I think he started out the year last year with everything that he needed and, you know, about in the middle of the year, he didn't have that, right? Coach and players and everything gone. So now he has a, the full package again, and, you know, let's let's go make this thing happen. Well, let me ask you, if you were in a similar situation, you're, you know, 29 years old as Devontae Adams is, and they were asking you to play on a one-year franchise tag, what would you do? Well, you know, uh, a lot of people don't realize this, man. You know, in 93, 94, I actually left the Raiders, or tried to anyway. I, I signed a contract with the Broncos uh, because I wanted out. I mean, I didn't want to be an organization anymore for many reasons, but one, I just felt like Al wasn't giving me my just due, not from a money standpoint per se, but really just the respect. You know, type of deal, um, and um, so I, I signed a contract with the, with the Broncos. So, I mean, I, I think these type things happen, man. And uh, for for Devontae to, to make this move, though, um, you know, I, I get the love we have he has with Derek Carr. I get that, and I can appreciate that for sure. But there has more to that to this than just that and um so maybe one day we'll get the the full monty on that but uh yeah. i just think there has to be a lot more to that well you're pointing us in a good direction tim brown's with us the uh, former raider wide receiver uh we had a milwaukee sports talk host on uh, on friday and she said you know some of this for Devonte adams may have just been aaron Rodgers' fatigue all the drama all the time and he he just wanted it sounds crazy, but but a less dramatic organization like the Raiders, but still, it could. I mean, there could be some truth to that. That Rogers being around him is a freaking roller coaster ride. Yeah, but he throws a very good ball. Yes. <laughs> and, and as a receiver, that's the only thing that's going to come down to. I mean, I played with twenty quarterbacks in my in my day, and uh, the only thing that matters is how that ball going to spin out there out of their hands, and all the other stuff you have to deal with with them, you deal with. Uh, but uh, that's the main main thing. So I, I just really doubt if if there was uh, Aaron Rodgers fatigue in, in in this situation. But you know, you never know. These are different guys, and they 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 beat to uh, they dance to a different drummer these days. And so you know, I, I can't wait to hear the whole story. I can tell you that. Oh yeah, uh, Tim Brown's with us. When you watch receivers, I'm sure you can you know diagnose pretty quickly what kind of receiver they are, strengths, weaknesses. When you watch Devonte Adams, what are his strengths? What do you like about him? Well, you know, being a big guy and being fearless about going over the middle and things of that nature, um, you know, makes him very dangerous on the outside. You know, I mean, once you have Deion Sanders used to say all the time that he doesn't like receivers who have uh, the left and the right blinkers on their car. He wants guys who are going straight up the field the whole time because, you know, he feels as if nobody can ever outrun him, right? right? Which was the truth. 
But, you know, when you look at a guy like Devontae, if you're a DB, you don't know what's about to happen. You don't know if he's going to run a slant. You don't know if he's going to go deep. He's going to run a comeback. What he's going to run. And I think when you have a guy who can run the whole uh, uh, route tree, it just makes it very, very difficult for for defense to to lock in on exactly what he's going to do. I'm going to sound a little ignorant here. Like, I don't remember stuff. Well, I don't remember it, but, but I was old enough to watch. I'm trying to think back. On the back shoulder throw, was that a thing during your playing career? Is that a more recent development? It was just starting to happen, you know, my last couple of years in the league. It was really just starting to happen. And really, it happened by mistake more than 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 it was a call play at the time. You know what I mean? Um, so, because uh, I, I remember towards the end, we, we had a little signal that we would we would give uh, Gannon if we wanted the back shoulder, uh, but uh, but yeah, that was that was literally my last few years with the Raiders for sure. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, Carr and Adams played in college together, but uh, Adams and Rogers were unbelievable on the back shoulder. I wonder how yeah. you know. I wonder how quickly yeah. Carr and Adams can get that together and have the rhythm. Well, you know, I, I tell you what, if they're not working on it right now, then there's a problem, right? You know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, with the great thing about these two guys, they're both pros enough that this shouldn't be a, a big deal, right? I mean, uh, you know, once you learn his stride as a quarterback, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, what he's going to do and what that move is that he's, it, for, what, that, that shows you as a quarterback it's time for you to throw the ball, then that's all you need. And, um, and as far as the receiver is concerned, it's all about how that ball is coming out of his hands. And it's going to be a little different in Aaron's uh, because every quarterback is different. And once he realizes that, man, you, you, you adjust and keep going. And these guys are playing at such a level that this really shouldn't be a big issue. They should be on the same page from day one and, um, and uh, should make this thing happen in a big way. I'm a little worried about my records right now, though. I can tell you guys that. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, Hunter, yeah. Hunter got close last year, but uh, somebody Uh-oh. somebody called somebody, one of my boys, my Notre Dame boys, said, hey, Tim, you have all your records with the Raiders. I said, yeah, man, yeah. He said, yeah, kiss them all goodbye. <laughs> uh, I'll be happy to kiss them goodbye. If, they, if they're playing that kind of football and winning football games, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking with former uh, Raiders wide receiver and all-time great Tim Brown. So on that note, Tim, there are certain players, off-season acquisitions, that can change the complexion of an entire franchise and thrust them into Super Bowl talk. And the AFC West has had several upgrades of every team. Is Devontae Adams a guy who changes the complexion of a franchise like the Raiders? Because we're seeing a lot of players from last year sign elsewhere it'll be intriguing to see what this team does in the draft but where does this put the Raiders well you know the question you have to ask is does Devontae Adams come into the Raiders does he does that make Hunter Renfro a better player does Darren Waller a better player does that make you know Josh Jacobs a better player and we know he's going to make Derek Carr a better player. So from that standpoint alone, man, the fact of the matter is that I, I said, you know, during the, during the year last year, I was happy for Hunter, you know, you know, catching all those balls. But Hunter Renfro shouldn't be catching 100 pads. That's not his role on his team. And now you're going to see he's going to have a better year catching 55, 60 balls because those are going to be some very impactful plays that he's going to make. Now, if we can keep Darren on the field, I mean, it's going to be remarkable what having a guy like Devontae does uh, for, for Darren Waller because he hasn't had that number one receiver uh, since he's been in the league. So I've uh, been with the Raiders, I should say. So, uh, yeah, man, I mean, this, this should make this offense so powerful 
And, you know, of course, we got everybody's got to stay healthy and all that kind of good stuff. And the offensive line had to play better. But, you know, I, I just think that this is going to make this offense so powerful, man, and, and so uh, unpredictable, uh, 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 unpredictable that it's going to be very, very difficult on defenses now, knowing exactly at 35, where are we going to go? Everybody use a double-team double, double team, um, hunter. Well, you can double-team them. But you go, you go get hit in the back of the head with a Devonte Adams uh, slant, uh, slant or a uh, back shoulder, and you know. So I think from that standpoint, man, um, I'm, I can't wait to see it. And uh, I think Josh has offense to make this thing work. And um, can't wait till all see it come come together. Well, I think in the middle of that, you answered my next question. But you know, in order for this offense to thrive, and all three of those wideouts and and, and the tight end there, and that that you mentioned for them to thrive. The offensive line has to protect Derek Carr. Um, last year, mistakes and and you know a couple of injuries here and there didn't necessarily do them any favors. Do you see this? I mean, is that is this a priority in the offseason to upgrade or to strengthen and work with that O line? Well, you know, I, I think uh, you know they were young guys for the most part. A, a couple of the guys were young guys, so the best thing about being a young a young guy, uh, uh, best thing about young guys is that they become, you know, young guys with another year of experience, right? So, so the mistakes you made last year, you can't make uh, this year. And look, you're going to get physically beat sometimes. That's the name of the game. But the mental uh, errors that was made. And and believe me, if you go, you move a half a step to the the wrong way, it may look like a physical error, but it was really a, a mental error that you made. Um, you know, not stepping the right way. So, you know, I just think those things, man, are going to be better for the offensive line. So, I, I definitely expect those guys to to play better. I mean, if there's a a, a way to upgrade the offensive line, sure, you, you're going to do that. But I I do believe these guys play well enough, man. I mean, they came down to one play in Cincinnati and almost got it done. So, you know, I, I don't think we can browbeat them too much, but at the same time, you got to get better. If you're going to win the championship, you got to be better than what you were, and, um, you know, that's going to be the name of the game this offseason, I'm sure. What do you think of the Colts getting Matt Ryan and their place in the AFC? Uh, I, Matt Ryan has never been a guy that, that uh, I, I thought was, you know, going to be – you know, there at the end. You know, I mean, I, I just just so many times when you watch Matt, you know, he put up some great numbers. He's had an incredible career, and God bless him for that. Uh, but um, he's it's not a guy that scares me, no doubt about it. I mean, I think the Colts team is going to be a, a, a formidable team. I mean, they 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 always found a way to play good football, even when their quarterback is playing horrible. But uh, I think in this situation. You know, Matt'll be right there. You know, he'll he'll you know he'll he'll be right there. And then it'll be Matt Ryan through an interception. <laughs> it just seems to be that type of thing with him. And uh, yeah. maybe this is a good change for him. It can get him out of that rut. And uh, let's see what happens, man. But uh, I mean, I, I think everybody is really really excited for the season, man. It's going to be a lot of great great things going on. And uh, hopefully Matt plays well, and hopefully we meet him in the playoffs and beat him. And that that would be a beautiful thing. Tim Brown is with us. Last one, I wanted to close on uh, Kyler Murray, and I know you have a relationship with Kyler and the family um, without giving out inside information. Well, what what exactly what was going on the last month or so with Kyler and the Cardinals? No, I mean, I'm, I'm not, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm good friends with his father, but I, I don't try and get in that kind of information, man. If he calls me and wants to talk, then that's one thing, but, um, you know, for the most part, during the football season, man, I, I, I let him be and let him 
let them do what they do, and um, and it works out better that way. But um, uh, so I, I really can't give you any any inside information on that, and probably wouldn't if I had it anyway. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I'm just hoping that uh, he can bounce back this year and, and have a have a better year. Uh, last one I said four times now, but the last one finally. <laughs> what Tim? What do you what do you think the Raiders are going to do in the division? I mean, technically on the odds board, they're still a fourth. Uh, team on the odds board in the AFC West. Um, and I love what they've done. I, to me, having an attitude like we can't compete, or you know, just because the other teams loaded up more, that 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 to me is fooey. I, they they were a good team a year ago, and they certainly have a chance in this division, right? Oh, without a doubt, man. I, I think the team that should be worried is Kansas City. I mean, everybody seemed to really upgrade it except them, and uh, the way they finished the year, you know, losing the way they lost at home. Um, you would think that they would be trying to make some changes, but obviously not. But um, that, that's good for us. Um, you know, look, I, I'm not afraid of Denver's receivers. You know, let's say they make some big trade for for a big time receiver. I think those guys are just guys, and I don't care care you know who they bring in as quarterback. When you don't, when your guys are just you know good guys and not great guys, then then you're gonna have a problem. Now, you know, San Diego, that's that's an issue. That, I mean, San Diego. I'm still in San Diego, yeah. uh, but the charges that's uh, that's going to be an issue, man. I think that team is going to really, really uh, be tough this year, and um, and uh, that's going to be to me. Uh, they're going to be the team to, to beat coming into the division, coming into the year. What's uh, what's going on with you? Anything coming up? Anything uh, charity wise? Anything you're working on? Oh man, always working on stuff. You know, um, yeah, I got a lot. of got a, a big event going on. Unfortunately, it's in California. I still have all my stuff happening there right now. We're trying to get stuff moved over to uh, to uh, to Vegas, but I got my big mentoring mini camp coming up in um, Sacramento uh, uh, in a couple weeks. Uh, a couple weeks from now, so I'm looking forward to that big time event for me. I uh, look forward to that event every year. So that's that's the main thing I got happening right now. So. Well, thank you so much for so much time. You're always generous with it. We appreciate it. We'll see you. All right, guys. Take care. There he is, Tim Brown, former Raiders receiver. Strong stuff on Devontae Adams, even stronger stuff on Matt Ryan. All right. Now, now I'm starting to get I'm starting to get the muscles now. I think I'm gonna make this bet later on the show that the Colts will beat the Texans. He Check that. The Colts will beat the Titans. He agreed. Doesn't mean he's right. No, it doesn't matter. We're it's two on one now. You're wrong. We're just gonna line up people every day to come in and say that Matt Ryan's not that good. And it's just gonna get me going full contrarian and wanting to bet. I'm gonna get sucked into this. Bet the Colts against the Titans. Matt Ryan coming to save the day in Indy. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. You're live with the Fat Pack on Cofield and company. I don't care if the sun don't shine. I do my drinking in the evening time when I'm in Las Vegas. You can sit in the sun and camp. I get my color from a sunray lamp when I'm in Las Vegas. All right, Fat Pack time. You know why that's my favorite Fat Pack rejoin? Because Dean Martin provides some of the best old school highlights from the Johnny Carson The Tonight Show. There's a couple of in specific if you if you google or if you go to youtube and watch and just search dean martin tonight show and just you can get lost for hours watching old tonight show stuff. were you spying on me this weekend stop it 
You got the idea from me. I brought it up before. That's what I was doing this weekend. Were you really? (laughs) Well, I got caught because I I go to, obviously, everyone goes to YouTube a lot. I went to YouTube and I saw a conversation with Johnny Carson and Jason Bateman. Okay. You know, now known for lots of shows, but Ozark recently. You know who his father-in-law is. Go ahead. God, who is it? Paul Anka. He's married to one of my cousins. Wait, what's going on here? <laughs> He's married to Amanda Anka, my uncle's second to oldest daughter. Who is? Jason Bateman. This is insane. What, are you connected to everybody? <laughs> what's going on here? Anyway, he was 15 years old, and Johnny Carson was kind of having a playful conversation with him. It was funny. Silver Spoons guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, that was Ricky Schroeder. Jason Bateman. Excuse me. Jason Bateman was Ricky Schroeder's friend. In, was he on Silver Spoons? Yeah. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. He was All like right. a neighbor good, or something. Good Jason Bateman knowledge. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so they were they were in a conversation, and then uh, then I, I forget who else I watched, but I I did watch Ari. Can you get the dump button ready? I did watch uh, Jane Fonda, mm-hmm. who was telling a story and was talking about petting a puss. So, huh. yeah, that does not need to be dumped. Well, my favorite and because are- if you're not a sicko, it was actually a reference to Zsa Zsa Gabor coming on the Tonight Show with a cat. Okay, and there was talk about petting the cat, and Johnny Carson is was pretty good with a one-liner here and there. Like, really good. The Tonight Show theme. You yes. Know, you know who lost a quarter million dollars a year, every year, in royalty fees for writing that song? Uncle Paul. Yep. God, your family should be so much richer. <laughs> I should be. It's unbelievable. <laughs> exactly. I've got nothing. <laughs> I've got I've got nothing. Well, I'll, uh, I don't want to get too cheesy, but uh, aside from all the uh, national food days that we get, yeah. uh, is today actually National Single Parent Day? I saw that on, on the- uh, Are you going to get emotional? Day. No. Why not? Why not? Ah, he's, kid's 26 now. Kid's owned, he's he's worth more than I am. Kid makes more money than I do. He owns his own gym. I did my part. Well, he is who he is because of you and your yeah. corporal punishment. No, I will say that National Single Parents Day, um, all due respect to those who have to do it on their own, there's also an art to single parenting, co-parenting with as a single parent oh, and, and okay. my son is as successful as he is in his endeavors not only because of me but because of his mother and a lot of that is allowing me to be a single father the way that i was and and having a lot of control in in what he did and and, and the activities he did and the athletics and it takes patience on both ends of it so to be a national or to 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 be a successful single parent and there are those that have nobody to help them whatsoever, and, and I give credit to them as well. But co-parenting is, is, is tough because you have to have patience on both ends. But kudos to all single parents, moms and dads out there that are getting it done. Busy week on Cofield and Company this Thursday. Join us at Silver 7s. That's our Thursday home. We'll be on a little bit early, 1 to 4. We're going to get out of the way for the Sweet 16. You can come watch the games of the Sweet 16 on Thursday and Friday and through the weekend as they decide what's going to happen with the Final Four. 77-cent beers, Bud, Bud Light, Mick Ultra. That's on the bottles of beer down at two different bars, the Bud Light Lounge and the Silver and Gold Bar at Silver 7s. You got the William Hill Racing Sportsbook right there. You can sign up for the mobile app. Great place, Flamingo in Paradise, one of the uh, legendary places here in town. Silver Sevens. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. Hey, money, money. Hey. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with John Von Tobel. Von Tobel. 
JVT is here from VSIN. Uh, John, what's up, buddy? Nothing much, man. You know, coming off of the uh, the high that was uh, the NCAA tournament's first two rounds. Last uh, 10 games for NBA teams now, so we're heading down the home stretch. Baseball's coming up. It's a good time of year. Sounds like we, as a group, the players, did not do that well the first four days of the NCAA tournament. It, it, it would seem like it at least. Well, we got to talk to Johnny Avello, uh, Matt Humans, my co-host, and I on our show, The Edge, today. And um, I asked John how they did, at least over at DraftKings. They have, I think, about 18 different jurisdictions, whatever it was. Um, and he said that they uh, they came out on top. They had a hold every single one, every single day, and there were very few games that they ended up losing. So the results differ by uh, book to book. But you got to, you know, too, right, when we're talking about Auburn losing the way that they did, Kentucky, of course, losing outright to St. Peter. I mean, Kentucky losing knocks out how many money line parlays that are probably out there when it comes to the NCAA tournament, right? Um, so those upset results were very good for bookmakers, and ultimately it sounded like it ended up being a, a profitable first two rounds of the NCAA tournament. Shocking, shocking. Well, and not only that, JVT, in terms of those, you know, those two, but then you have the dogs that everybody expected, the hype leading up to yep. Thursday and Friday, and they didn't come through either. Right. The, the leading which of right was South Dakota State, right? Well, right. like yep. a lot of people were in on South Dakota State against Providence uh, and thinking that they were going to win that game. So that's also a very fair point where you saw some of the underdogs, the public dogs, if you will. That a lot of people expected uh, to cash ultimately did not. So no, it, all of those ultimately lead to that. And you know, look, the the NCAA tournament. I was talking to humans about this a couple of days ago. You know, it's almost like the Super Bowl where the, you know the, there's so much public money in the pot that that seems that that alters these numbers a little bit more than like a normal college basketball game would, right? Uh, those tend to on a day to day basis. If you see a move, it's going to be sharper. Uh, but the public, just like the Super Bowl, has a little bit more leverage in a lot of these games. And when they start to lose, they're going to lose uh, quite a bit. And it seems like that's what happened over the first two rounds. I have Arizona to win the national title in my brackets. I feel real dirty about that. Real dirty. Well, the end of regulation. The re end of regulation. TCU and Arizona. Come on. Yeah, I mean, and because like, because I was talking. So my point with that, Steve, was you know there was a lot of people who were like, oh, I'm glad you don't call, call that foul. You know, at the end of that game, yeah. you let him play. But what? the problem is, is if that foul occurs with 15 minutes left to go in the first half, that's a foul, right? Yes. So, at the, so at the end of the game, it should be a foul. So, like, I agree with you. Like, Arizona moves on. I was amazed about how much trouble they had keeping TCU off the offensive glass. I think it was 20 offensive rebounds for TCU yesterday. But I'm with you. I just – I like to see the players decide the games. But at the same time, if that's a foul at any point of the game other than the last waning seconds, then it should be a foul in the waning seconds. Are you surprised that Texas Tech opened up as healthy a favorite as it did against Duke? I mean, healthy, right? They're a one-point favorite, one-and-a-half-point favorite. But I feel like I was just surprised. So we were talking about this yesterday on my Sunday night show, even though it's an NBA show, kept the date on the uh, college basketball stuff. Um, that, like, look, you know, you're probably just, you know, you assume the public's going to like this Duke team that has a lot of NBA players on it, Paolo Bencaro, who's up for potentially the first overall pick and more. Uh, you probably understand that Duke will be on a neutral, about a one-and-a-half, you know, one, two-point favorite, something in that range. Nothing anything crazy, uh, but ultimately Texas Tech is the one that opens up as a favorite. And we kind of surmised, too, that the Tech, uh, the Red Raiders would be the sharp side. So it's ultimately not surprising to see odds makers kind of view them as power-rated just ever so slightly higher than Duke. So I came into this weekend thinking, I'm going to play Texas Tech. And then last night when I saw that opener, I'm going to wait in-game because as much as I like this Texas Tech team defensively, 
offensively, they leave a lot to be desired. They did not shoot the ball well against Notre Dame. Uh, while they did out-rebound them, there were some key offensive rebounds that they gave up to the Fighting Irish. did not look very good. And again, yesterday, 0.94 points per possession against Notre Dame. That's not very good offensively. And while Duke's not great defensively, I just haven't seen enough from them on that side end of the floor to believe in them consistently. But I was kind of surprised. Like, I thought it was going to be Duke minus one and a half or two. JVT, you mentioned Providence over South Dakota State. Then they just blast Richmond. Uh, are they changing the perception of, of who they are? they got a big game coming up. Yeah, they, and they have, man. Like So now – Kansas uh, opens up as an eight and a half point favorite uh, yesterday with a total of 139 and a half. And uh, we're down to as low as seven in multiple spots now with a total of 141 and a half. So the total's gone up, uh, but the side has started to head toward Providence here. And it is amazing, Willie, right? Like the first round, it's hey, man, this team, look at the luck metric for Ken Palm and how they've been getting by the skin of their teeth. And this isn't going to work out. They're going to lose to the Jackrabbits. And you mentioned what they did through the first two rounds. And now all of a sudden, it's let's snatch up these points against Kansas. And to be fair, uh, Kansas has been a team like I've dubbed them as like a team that plays with their food a little bit when it comes to covering some of these games uh, they have and throughout the season failed to cover some of these bigger numbers and they've been powered a little bit higher than they likely should and we you know the Creighton game where they end up winning that game 79 72 and not covering a 12 and a half point spread but to give the Jayhawks credit right they come into this tournament before that Creighton game and including the Texas Southern game they had covered five consecutive contests and they've been playing some relatively decent basketball. So I wonder, you know, we always do this, right, where everybody's on one side, they fail, and all of a sudden now it's like, no, Providence is for real. Let's jump on the train just to get smoked by Kansas on Friday. I would be really fascinated to see if that's the case. Colts get Matt Ryan. You fired up? Uh, personally, I am. Like, he maximizes the window, right? Like This is a team that I think kind of has a very small championship window. Like A lot of things have to go right for them, and they still have to add some pieces, both in free agency and the draft. But with a guy like Matt Ryan, who's a former MVP, and you add another piece to the wide receiving core, and you shore up the left side of your offensive line, you did, I think, enough in terms of your defense this offseason – you know, if, if things break right for this team, they're going to be a championship contender in the AFC. But you needed a quarterback that really maximizes your window, that brings your floor up. And I think Matt Ryan does that. This is now the fifth quarterback in five years for Frank Reich. He still has a winning record despite all of that. He's only had a losing season once. We can see what he can do with quarterbacks throughout his tenure as Colts head coach. So I think a guy like Matt Ryan with an offensive like mind like Frank Reich, we saw what he did as a quarterback right with a little shanty, as you call him, Steve. As his um, offensive coordinator, he won an MVP that year. So I do think that this is a pretty solid move for the Indianapolis Colts. Now, market doesn't really believe that much. Uh, they went from thirty to one to twenty-five to one to win a championship over at BetMGM, from sixteen to one to fourteen to one to win the AFC, uh, and then the AFC South odds went from about plus one fifty to plus one twenty-five. So the moves were minimal; they were there, but from a betting market perspective, didn't move the needle much. So I'm assuming the plus one twenty-five they are the favorite in the uh, in the division. I think they are. I'll double, let me pull this up right now. They, I think they are still slightly behind the Tennessee Titans in terms right. of winning that division. Uh, and you, you sometimes you see that right when it comes to a a team that won the division the year prior. That there's always going to be some liability building up, so you don't want to uh, make any more drastic changes. Let's see. Right now, DraftKings has AFC South Titans plus one twenty, Colts actually plus one twenty. So they're probably at BetMGM either a tie or like five is about like five cents behind uh, the Tennessee Titans. William Hill has Titans plus 105, Colts plus 110. There you go. Um, if you jump on the Colts, we can get some uh, betting action the other way from Willie. So do you want to win some free money here? What, if Willie does not believe in the Indianapolis Colts? He does not believe in the Colts or Ryan. He's going to take the Titans to win the AFC South. So oh, I've I'll now offered up our bet to you as well. Oh, I'll take that bet. Yeah, I'll take the Colts. 
Yeah, you've you've done absolutely no favors for me because Mr. Cofield is throwing hand signals across the Battleborn Broadcast Center. To oh, we me. had Tim Brown come in and yeah. kind of crap so, on Ryan and the Colts. Well, and then, yeah, and then so, you and then JVT, a Colts fan, backed me with the Colts, and I threw you a middle finger. Well, you'll take no the, need for you, that. You'll but, take you know. the All Pro gambling analyst. I'll take the All Pro receiver on my team. So it's you two against us two. Is Tim Brown that with us? Is that right? right. We're, getting, we're gonna have dinner with Tim Brown. <laughs> right. now, now this is even worse. I looped you into double action, and now you're and somehow including Tim Brown in the sure. Bat. Yeah, we're gonna just switch gears. Screw it. Uh, Westgate posts the MLB win totals, and you are all over who? Uh, well, I'm not necessarily all over the Angels, Willie, but uh, I am, as Steve knows, an Angels fan. And um, if Steve's if Steve's remember anything about my MLB fandom, this is about the time of year where I look at the Angels roster on paper and I'm talking myself into like some <laughs> successful season. Uh, and like again, Steve, that bullpen it's shaping up pretty nicely. They had Aaron Loop to pairs uh, now assigned with this team. This looks like, dare I say, an elite bullpen. If Noah Syndergaard is actually anywhere close to the guy he was you know, with the New York Mets, I'm saying close. You got Otani. I don't want to say I'm talking myself into over 84 and a half wins with the Angels, oh, but um, I hate to say it might be an attainable goal. So, JVT, we're getting close here. And I tell you, it's it's easily for me, and I know – You've heard this years and years as a sports betting analyst um, that baseball can be the most profitable sport to bet on. And one of my favorite books, old school, down at the Gamblers Book Club, Mike Lee, Betting the Basis. There are three old school betting systems that I still abide by, even with analytics. And I will handicap the pitchers and I will write up analytics and metrics and all the new stuff. But the three betting systems, and before I reveal them, I'm just curious, are there any old school? Are you familiar with that book, number one, number two? Are there any old school betting systems that you follow? Uh, no, I'm not familiar with the book. I actually just wrote it down so I could get it, so I could read it. So I, you have piqued my interest. I like reading books and learning more things, so I'm totally in on this. Uh, and as far as the old school system goes, uh, I am very much a staunch millennial. So uh, when it comes to like, it depends on what the system is, but I'm very much, I scoff at a lot of things when it comes to old school systems. Okay, then you know what? We're going to, I'm going to mention I'm going to mention them, but we're not going to get into them. So then that way, the next time you and I are on here together, I want you to go get that. It's called Betting the Bases, and it's a small little it's it's not even a book. It's it's okay. you know, but it's uh it's got the old school binding on it. You'll see. But it's it continues to get printed because it's Mike Lee and it's it's fantastic. But the three systems that I've taken out of that that a lot of people have followed are it's the magical fourth, pitching revenge, and the virgin pitcher. And all three of them over the years, because of the prices you can get have proven to be winners. You have to chart them and you have to keep track and you have to, and you have to stay religious with them. And the Virgin pitcher is one of my favorites because it's playing a pitcher in his very first, it has to be a start. It's not his yeah. first start. His debut is a start because a lot of times you're going to get that plus price. Now, over the years, since they've introduced the first five, that has been a popular play with this because, as you know, they put that virgin pitcher up there, right? The, the rookie kid, he gets out there and he throws a fantastic first five because the other team doesn't have a true scouting report on him. And then they pull him out, and if it's a crap team, they come back at the end and beat up the bullpen. So it's an interesting concept, but I think you'll like the book. The, the virgin pitcher is one that uh, that is one that uh, I don't say I abide by, but I definitely think there is some stock in at least an angle like that. When you're talking about a dude who they haven't seen before in the first time around, they have no idea how to stuff because they've never seen it so yeah. yeah that that's actually one that yes that is familiar to me but i'm going to check out that book thank you for adding to my list because i'm definitely going to go get it john remind people about what you're doing on sundays and then the uh, weekly show 
Uh, weekly show Monday through Friday, Thank 1 to 2 with Matt Humans. Um, so, of course, you guys know Matt Humans, so check that out. It's called The Edge. Uh, and then Sunday nights, Hardwood Handicappers, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Pacific time. Um, all NBA. So it's a lot of fun. And like I said, an NBA postseason's coming up. But tonight's card's actually freaking awesome. So uh, make sure you start watching NBA basketball because these games are important. John, we appreciate it. Good to talk to you guys. Thank you. There he is, John Von Tobel from v On the way back, big trade deadline day for the Vegas Golden Knights, maybe with one of their former players. We'll get you updated on the uh, acquisitions they made and the time period it took most of the afternoon to get this thing done. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas.